Listeners, this is Patrick Torres, Artistic Director of Raleigh Little Theater. We're interrupting this regularly scheduled podcast to bring you breaking news. It seems that the Dysquith family, the most powerful family in our country, may have a new member. After the recent passing of Isabel Navarro, her son, Monty Navarro, discovered his birth certificate in the home that they shared, and it was proof that Isabel was a member of the Dysquith family who was disinherited for marrying Monty's father, a Castilian. If this scandal is true, it has far-reaching ramifications for the family. In order to get to the bottom of it, I went on an investigation to talk with all the Dysquith family members about this possible new development. The first one person that I was able to get uh, to sit down with me was uh, Ezekiel Dysquith. Uh, hi, Ezekiel. <laughs> Oh, hello, Patrick. It's it's glorious to be here. Yes. Uh, so, Ezekiel, can you just t- tell uh, the listeners who don't know a little bit about who you are, what you do? <laughs> oh, of course. I am the reverend and caretaker of the Croydon upon Durham Sunderland Chapel Cathedral of St. Mary's Chesterfield by Our Lady of Perpetual Motion in Devonshire. <laughs> And I drink. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I, I assume that that's okay with your religion. Um, oh, yes, the Anglicans. We do imbibe. Well, well excellent. I'm, I'm glad. Thank you so much for taking the time. Can you tell me, do you remember Isabel Dysquith? Oh, of course. I remember Isabel. She was a charming young whore who married, I believe... A Castilian. Well, why do you call her a name like that, Ezekiel? Well, uh, she decided to forego the family fortune and sin, live in sin with this musician. Okay. So what would you say to Monty Navarro, who has just discovered he's part of your family? I would say... He should come and look at my tower. Okay. So that was Ezekiel Dysquith. Uh, That was about all I could get out of him before he went to sleep. Uh, So the next person who agreed to talk with me um, was Asquith Dysquith Jr., uh, we all know the uh, Dysquith Banking House, and most of us have our accounts there. Uh, and, um, you know, Junior doesn't always do these interviews, so I was really excited to get Junior. So uh, we'll go to that interview copy now. Hello, um, Asquith Dysquith Junior. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you? Well, hello there, sir. Oh, you know me. I'm just your regular caddy, the banner-type mate, always tot-hunting for a dirty puzzle and Cupid's kit of drums. I do love a quail pipe on me tallywags after a bit of neck oil, you know? Yes, I, I, I think I know. Um, so, we have just recently all learned of this Monty Navarro, who mm. is uh, a part of your family tree, uh, claiming to have not ever known that he was part of the family. What would you have to say to Monty if he were here? Well, I'd say he never was a part of the family, that insignificant upstart. I don't know what he's up to, but I can tell you this, he will certainly shoot into the brown if I have my way. Uh, so, how do you think your father's feeling about this? 
Well, we haven't necessarily talked about it, but I'm sure he is still of the opinion that I shall be the successor to the banking house. He knows there's no one else going for it, and we certainly can't have some pauper coming in here and ruining everything. Okay, uh, well, thank you for your time, Junior. Thank you. So after talking with Junior, I decided maybe it would be the best to talk with Asquith Dysquith Sr. about this new development uh, because, you know, he, he has been the head of the banking house for so long. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's interesting to have a new heir. And maybe what does that do to the family fortune? So Asquith Dysquith Sr., uh, thank you for joining us today. Well, certainly it is my pleasure and duty to be here for the family. Um. Asquith, do you remember Isabel Dysquith? We were not well acquainted, no. Um, so do you believe this story that Monty Navarro has been telling? It's difficult to say, really. I haven't seen all of the papers, but I don't suppose that it's terribly likely. We are a very buttoned-up family, you know. We take care of our own, and we are always upfront about all of our dealings. Yeah, I've never heard of him. So let's just presume for a minute that it is true that Monty Navarro is uh, a rightful heir to the Dysquith family fortune. How does that change uh, the financial security and future of the family? Well, not at all. We are the nobility in this area. So I would use this word to describe our fortune. Obscene, I don't believe. It is in any danger whatsoever. So do you think he has a rightful claim to the money? Certainly not. It's mine. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Asquith Sr. Uh, we really appreciate your time, and I, I know you're a busy man, so I really appreciate you taking that time. Indeed. The next person I caught up with in the Dysquith family was Major Lord Bartholomew. Hello, Major. Oh, sir. Good to see you. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, ha have you heard of this Monte Navarro story? Ah, just before I came in. Yes, Monte Navarro. Strange name. What? Haven't heard much else. <laughs> What's so strange about his name? Navarro. Sounds almost Spanish. You know the Spaniards. Terribly unhealthy lot. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what would it mean to you if Monty were a part of your family? Would, would that be okay? Would you be accepting of that? Tell us a little bit. Well, it depends. You know, what's his diet like? You know, does he exercise? Is he of good stock? You know, can't have any of the, you know, unfit multiplying and weeding their way into our family. Sure. Uh, and so how do you stay so fit? Well, I... I work out every day. I, I go to the gym. I exercise. You know, my handshake is powerful enough to snap the neck of a small beast and yet sensitive enough to caress the tender throat of a young castrato. Coax a song from him. So, um, if you don't mind, I'd love to spend a little bit more Pardon time. Pardon me, though. Uh, oh, I do have to go. I have a yogurt enema scheduled in three minutes. Oh, okay. Um, well, I apologize, and well, thank you for making the time, and I hope that goes well. All right. Um, this one 
uh, is personally very exciting to me. I, as a fan of the theater, um, I, I always love being able to interview artists, um, and uh, I've never met Lady Salome Dysquith, but she is right here, and, and hello, Lady Salome. Oh, hello. Lady Salome, um, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, I, I am an actress, and I just a Doll, the theater. Oh, the clothes. Well, they are so pretty. Every inch of me covered in feathers and everyone claps when I'm done because I am wonderful. You know, I'm currently playing the title role in Hilda Goblin and our director, Phineas. Well, he has been an absolute dream. He's always trying to get me to ignore my instincts and, and I try so hard, but you know, the last time I was on the stage. Uh, that's great, Lady Salome. I wanted hmm? to ask you about Monty Navarro. Who? You, Monty Navarro. Have you huh. heard of Monty Navarro? Is he an actor? No, he's is not. Is he a, a director? No, he's not a director. Oh, is he, 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 is, is, is he a stagehand? He's not. No, actually, he uh, is claiming that he is a part of your family. Oh. So he's not an actor? No, he's not an actor. Oh, that's all right. Would it be better if he were an actor? Well, of course. <laughs> They're the best people. Okay. Uh, well, Lady Salome, um, it's been a pleasure to sit with you. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. I've adored being here. You're all wonderful. <laughs> that was um, probably one of the most meaningful experiences I've ever had with a performer. So um, I would like to thank Lady, Lady Salome for her time, and I encourage you to all see her head in Head a Gabbler. The next person that I caught up with, which was really difficult because I had to travel a bit of the way out of the city to find him, but uh, it was Henry Dysquith. So, Henry, hi, how are you? Hi there, Patrick. It's good to see you. Well, it's good to see you, too. Thank you so much. Mm, Henry, thank you. Um, you probably, of all of the Dysquiths, mm. are the most um, elusive. Mm, oh. oh, yeah, sure. Handsome, fine, yeah. Mm. But elusive. And so I, I think people would like to get to know you a little bit. Of course they would. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the things you like to do? What are some of your hands? Well, I, I spend Saturday to Monday on my estate in Salisbury, where I've developed quite a compulsion for beekeeping. Yes, I find it endlessly fascinating. I have over 500,000 bees on my estate, and I often have family, friends, men, gentlemen come and look at my bees. What's so, what's so fascinating to you about the bees? Oh, the swarm of it all. You know, I just adore how they all work together and then dance together, and then when at the end of the day they've created just such a wealth of honey. Have you heard of this Monty Navarro character? Well, yes, I have. I, I don't believe I've clapped eyes on the bugger yet. But I hear that he's making certain claims about being a member of the family. Well, you know, the Dysquith family is such a large group of, you know, strange people. I suppose we wouldn't, we wouldn't be worse off if we had one more, depending on, you know, the man's constitution. Yes, you know that Monte Navarro is half Castilian. Mm. Do you think that that kind of uh, would be okay with your family? Uh, of course it would. You know, I do play the castanets myself. You know, it's part of what I do to keep the bees trained. They do enjoy some Spanish music and castanets while they are dancing. 
So if Monty is a rightful heir and part of your family, you wouldn't mind him coming to play with you? Not at all. Well, thank you, Henry. Um, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, I, uh, maybe sometime I can come out and see your bees myself. Anytime, my friend. Thank you so much. Next in uh, my interview sequence was one of the most notorious of the Dysquid family. Um, we have all heard of the things that she has done and is doing uh, for our community. And, um, you know, some of it's been a little scandalous, I have to say. It was hard to track Lady Hyacinth down. Hello, Lady Hyacinth. Oh, Patrick, it's awful to be here. Awful? Why is it awful? Well, you know, I I do my best for this society. I I I've raised money for you know, the the cripples, you know, and I've um done raised money for sailors' wives, and not a one person on my way here stopped to thank me. No one, no one said. Not thank a you. one. How, well, how did that make you feel? Terrible. You, you... I mean, what's the point of helping people if not everyone knows? Well, you know, Lady Hyacinth, some people would say that it's probably, it means more if it if people don't know about it. Who are those people? Do I know any of them? I'm not certain that you do. Right. But philanthropy often is done. What did you call me? Uh, a philanthropist. Well, I say, I've never in my life. Daisy Greville put you up to this, didn't she? Uh, uh, Daisy Greville, I will have your badge, Daisy. Uh, no, she, she she didn't. Actually, I'm here to, to ask you if you've heard of Monty Navarro. Who? Monty Navarro. Monty Navarro, no. Oh, 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 yes, I have. That young ragger on the way to try and take our fortune from us. I'm telling you, he will not have it. He will not have it. But Lady Hyacinth, if somebody is in need of help, it seems like they should come to you. He's just a climber. That's all he is. He's in need of no help. He's in need of incarceration, is what he needs. Uh, okay, uh, Lady Hyacinth. Well, thank you uh, for taking the time to talk with me, and uh, best of uh, luck to you on your future philanthropy. It has been your honor. <laughs> thank you, Lady Hyacinth. Um, and then finally, um, this uh, interview, I felt like, could not really be complete unless I talked to the Earl himself, Lord Aldebert. Nope, nope. So this is what happened. I was chasing him around, and this is all I heard from Lord Aldebert. Uh, but I finally caught him, and uh, he still refused. Here, here's some footage of that. No, no, no. I get that microphone out of my face. At this point, I got away as quickly as I could. Uh, you know, with uh, Aldebert's reputation, um, I knew that I, I could potentially be in danger. So after talking with all of the Dysquists, I don't know that we're any closer to understanding uh, Monty Navarro or his plight or how he fits into the family. Um, I think that it is something we'll continue to watch play out, and it'll be intriguing to see if the family uh, invites him in or dismisses him completely. So uh, thank you for listening uh, to my interviews with the Dysquiths, and uh, we shall all wait and see the outcome.
All right, listeners, I hope that you had a good time with that. As much fun uh, listening to it as we had kind of putting it together. We thought it'd be fun for this episode because Gentleman's Guide is such a great, uh, fun comedy. Um, we thought it'd be fun to introduce you to the Die Squid family, who you'll meet and get to learn more about um, when you come see the show. And the thing that you might know if you've uh, followed the show or you followed our social media, and if you haven't, you should, uh, <laughs> please do that. Um, but the, what you might not know is that the, all the Die Squids are played by one actor, and it's uh, one of our great local talents, Brian Westbrook. So, hi, Brian. Hey, Patrick. So, I, I asked Brian um, to uh, to do the interview uh, today on the podcast as all the Dicequists, which is hard. It's hard to improv multiple characters <laughs> right. without the text that they use in the script. So, thank you for doing that. Uh, but I just wanted to t- chat with you real quick about... Um, just about the show. I think people, um, some people know it, but um, I think there's there's probably a good many of our listeners who don't. So can you just tell them a little bit about um, what makes this show fun and what interests you about it, auditioning for it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I knew of the show uh, when it was on the Tonys in, in 2014 and was coming out. And I, I first was interested because I heard that Jefferson Mays was was in it. And I, uh, I remembered him uh, from doing I Am My Own Wife on Broadway just a few years before that. And I knew that he was playing multiple roles again. And so that always fascinates me just to, to, to see that. Uh, so then I, you know, I got the cast album. And I, and I have to say, just sort of from my taste, listening to the cast album, at first it's not like anything that I had heard come out of Broadway in, in years and years and years. And in some ways, in decades and decades and decades. It's very, very... Um, you know, it's almost insulting to use this word, but legitimate classical music. Uh, you know, there's bits of Chopin and Debussy and uh, a lot of the romantics in the kind of music. It's really challenging, but at the same time, extremely biting wit through lyricism that is that is complicated and uh, hilarious and very highbrow, uh, the kind of things that you know, used to be done by Gilbert and Sullivan and even in some vaudeville styles. Uh, and so to hear that sort of updated uh, was really exciting. And I think it's why it was such a success. Um, and also being able to just laugh at um, ridiculousness. I think we all like to laugh uh, at really successful people failing. Sometimes that is... Um, that's that's part of why we've gone to theater for for centuries. I think. You know, I've always um, really appreciated comedy because comedy, as an art form, is really about reinforcing social code or like pointing out the things mm-hmm. in in our world that, in an extreme way in order to get us to reflect on like how we behave. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, this show is really interesting in the way that it does that. You know, there's some pretty. Uh, interesting and shocking things that happen and i think when we step back we go oh yeah yeah like that's the function of comedy to to kind of disarm us through laughter to make us consider like what we shouldn't be and and how we shouldn't behave i think it's (laughs) i think i think it's exactly right the that comedy takes ideas and blows them up to this sort of ridiculous and large scale that you're allowed to laugh at it as you're engaging with it and still thinking about it whereas drama or even I, I mean I'm thinking about actually like poetry it takes large ideas and just brings them down into very very simple simple ways uh, and I've always been more uh, connected with with comedy you know laughter is is the easiest entry point I think into people's into people's hearts and minds so Brian how do you prepare to play eight people in the same family what do you do so uh, it's not really much different than I than I do preparing for any other role 
um, it's, you know, in some ways, I guess, like, you know, doing um, several plays at once because you got several characters, but you just start with the script. And with a comedy, uh, you know, my background's in comedy. I look for the jokes. I look where I can find some jokes. I can um, uh, use my skill set, you know. Um, I think uh, I like doing funny voices. So uh, I think the first thing I did with these was was finding voices for each of them that were going to be distinct enough. Um, we've got amazing costumes and ridiculously fast costume changes. Uh, and they're going to do a, a lot of the work, but I wanted to make sure that I was doing just as much work to make that distinction possible. So I think the voices can, uh, is where I started. And then once we all started working together and we were, uh, you were giving us blocking and direction, that helped me with physicality and um you know it's just start to find them in rehearsals as you're doing it um because there's only so much work you can i can do on my own i, I really feel right. like i need to get get up and get active with it absolutely yeah and it's been fun kind of just watching those characters develop and and, and yeah I mean, the people listening should know brian's talking about all these crazy costume changes he has and, and he's not the only one there are mm -hmm. 111 costume changes in the show so <laughs> um it'll be interesting and to i only have i think like 16 of those, 111. Right. And there's only 11 people in the cast. Right. <laughs> and so, like, I, I've been saying that this show is a really good example, once we pull it off, of who our LT is. It's just a lot of volunteers and, and dedicated people working together to make some magic happen. And so, um, you know, I, I hope people will come see it, not only for the great acting but and the singing, which I agree with you. It's so beautiful, and it's not what we're hearing nowadays coming out of Broadway, um, but also just to kind of celebrate how – as a community, we really have to come together to make this work, or it doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> and wherever you are doing, and I've done theater in a lot of different places, and one of my earliest sort of mentors in theater said, I don't care where you are, what you're doing, if you're, if you're doing theater, you're making miracles happen, because it's always a miracle when it, when it gets there and gets up there, in sort of whatever state. And, and yeah, the, in the shows I've done here, and I've done some big shows here, Sweeney Todd, Spamalot, I, I think this one is a really, really just ideal example of what you're talking about, of the volunteer community coming together and working in concert with design and props and costumes and, and, and actors and, uh, and everything and, and with, with a common goal in mind. And, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things that keeps, keeps me coming back to RLT is that that's, that spirit Whatever time we're having, on stage or off, it's going well or not, the, that spirit of, of community and volunteerism is always here. And so it could only be so bad. Right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. I agree with that. I like that, actually. Because, you know, like, for us, like, the goal is, like, that community and people and not perfectionism. Although we have high expectations and, like, we want to do the absolute best we can. But for us, like the firing on all cylinders was everybody working together to make a thing happen and then sharing it with our neighbors. Yeah. You know, it was really exciting. And it's, you know, I, I don't know if this is good or bad to say to, you know, potential audience members, but I've, I've always said that when I look back on experiences doing shows, I find that the memories that pop up and the fondest things that I remember are during the rehearsal process leading up to actually getting an audience. The, the creation part of it is where for a performer, that's where the memories sort of stick for me because that's when the creation is actually happening. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Getting in front of an audience is, 
it's super exciting and is is what keeps me coming back. I feel like, but I always look back on the experience and think about you know the the play part of it and, and bringing things together and that community part of it. Yeah, and I love it that it's kind of that, that the audience gets to have a different experience. Yep. you know what I mean because their experiences will be will be unique to them in a way that you won't be able right. to experience the we show. We are never going to see the show. Right. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> those of us on stage will never see this show. We will never have that perspective. And there, you know, that can that can be, you know, frustrating or it can just you let it be what it is, you know. But we're the only 11 people that get th- that experience of being on the stage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that and then, and then I think because that's true, because the audience doesn't get the rehearsal process and you don't get the performance. I think that's a beautiful kind of image of how the loop is closed. Exactly. Right? Like, that's right. how the dialogue of theater happens, mm-hmm. which is really great. We give it to them. And right. they're going to take it out, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time, Brian, and thank you for all the work you put into the show. It's a pleasure, man. So Likewise. thrilled to have people see this one. Uh, so you got to come get your tickets. You see Brian play this whole family, um, and, and he um, won't be offended, I'm sure, that if I mention how just excellent this cast is all around. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Brian will knock your socks off, but everybody else too. I mean, this is a show um, where, I mean, most most musical theater shows, the ensemble is like the glue that holds if, it together. If anyway. there's an ensemble, yeah. yeah absolutely. It and, wouldn't and, be a show without them. Yeah, yeah, and so I always say to actors, like, don't uh, turn your nose up at the ensemble. That's some good stuff. And this ensemble is working hard. And They've got more costume changes than I do. They've yeah. got more characters to do than I do. They certainly have more harmonies to learn than anybody in any show, I think. I mean, And they're complicated. <laughs> they're complicated, and they came in day one prepared. You yeah. know, it's yeah. a pro, pro, pro cast. Yeah, it's a great cast, and uh, we're really excited to share it with you, so come on out, and we'll see you at the theater. All right, folks, I hope you had fun with that. Sometimes we want to do uh, some theatrical things because we're theater people. So uh, I hope you don't mind that we changed up the podcast format a little bit this time. It was all in good fun. And I want to invite you to come out to the show. So the show opens on August 16th and runs through September 1st. And uh, I think that you'll have a really good time uh, with the show. And uh, we couldn't be more excited to present it for you and to you and really uh, just celebrate all of our volunteers. Again, if you've been listening to the podcast, if you could subscribe on any of your uh, favorite podcasting platforms, if you could give us a good rating, that always helps. Um, There's so much going on at the theater. uh, So Gentleman's Guide is coming up after that. It'll be Blood at the Root, which opens on September 27th. And um, we also have a great day-long concert, Groove in the Garden, which um, is happening on September 21st. So there's a lot to do, and uh, we would love to see you at all of those things. So uh, come on down, and we will see you at the theater.